Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the fifth ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in rainy Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Howard, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, and we are so close to football. And I've been saying that for a while, but this time, like, we really are, like, we are two days away from football. and Well, Mizzou football, that is. There's some football tonight um, that... We may want to watch if we get out of here on time. Mm-hmm. Got some Purdue action, and they're actually playing like a meaningful game tonight. So we'll get a, a look at them and uh, see. It's kind of weird that they're playing a conference game week one. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, know the uh, SEC will be playing conference games week two, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but it's a lot uh, of pressure coming coming off the off season. Just no tune no, up. Yep, no margin for error whatsoever. This game matters right off the bat, and it's a team that they have to beat in their season to to probably feel like it's a success so right. it's a big game for them yeah i feel like for northwestern and purdue it's going to be like mm-hmm. this is huge as they far will. as getting to a bowl and yep they're not going to be holding back any plays i right. don't think so and well i hope purdue wins because if we want missouri to have the kind of season that would be you know the best case scenario then we need all the opponents yeah, we, to win as many games as possible yeah we need quality wins so for sure all right. Well, um, we got some new news items here, so we'll jump into the news. Um, first off, I don't know if you noticed, it didn't really make the rounds or anything too terribly much, but uh, the basketball team has some new uniforms. I saw those, and they're great. They they're, are. They're, they look really awesome. And uh, one pretty interesting comment I saw online somewhere was that it was kind of a a symbolic flushing of the Kim Anderson era for once and for all. You know, those are kind of the uniforms we had when we were at the depths of the abyss yeah. of the college basketball universe. So it's it's good to see us come out of that era, I think, for sure. Yeah, I, I texted you, like, when the kind of the news was breaking and everybody was freaking out about it. I've never seen a more just universally praised new uniform reveal ever. I don't mm-hmm. think. I can't remember ever seeing one. Where just everybody said they love it. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I don't think I saw a single negative thing posted. I mean, and about we're it. talking about social media on Twitter. We didn't see <laughs> a negative comment. That's really, that really impressive. Remarkable. They they did a really good job of kind of tying in that you know the the piping around the collar and sleeves has that old school kind of block M Missouri uniform feel, but mm-hmm. they keep the Nike script there with the Mizzou on the front and yeah, I think they knocked it out of the park there. Um, I was just, it was kind of fun to look at pictures. Anytime a new uniform comes out, I like to look at the ones that I remember and basically this will definitely age me or date me. But, um, the first uniforms I remember were the 2008 basketball team that made it to the elite eight. And they had those kind of strange gold, jerseys mm-hmm. um along almost with like the, a mustardy color yeah kinda. like i don't know like more metallic looking yeah. gold and they had the little block m like right right in the uh the bottom of the collar mm-hmm. and um i always kind of thought i don't know those were seemed very like kind of holdovers from early 2000s mm-hmm. kind of like oversized right exactly one thing that's, that's really different about even just 10 years ago about the basketball uniforms is the shorts were so baggy yeah. well, i guess that i mean the uh, the tops or whatever were, yeah. were pretty large too but uh yeah definitely the the cool guy shorts it just uh, didn't seem very practical right and you know now i feel like we've kind of seen it 
uh, scale back a little bit. People yeah. are, are trying to uh, not wear shorts that could affect their performance. Right. <laughs> a little and there was a, another interesting one was just like a one year uniform set for basketball was the last year in the big 12. I'm pretty sure um, listeners can correct us if we're wrong here, but as far as I remember, they only had those that one year, um, when they made the run to the two seed in the NCAA tournament, then the next year was the SEC and they got, everything got overhauled. So I thought that was kind of weird to have just that one year of kind of the slim down, you know, more modern mm-hmm. Nike uniforms. And then they just went to something completely different mm-hmm. Have the, we had the very next year. Those SEC uniforms for like the past three or four years or whatever. Basically, yeah. So it's been longer than that. Um, yeah. For the most part since they went to the sec there's been basically the same thing a few differences here and there like but. the uh lawrence bowers phil pressy right yeah those were still team. very similar there's not much difference between that team's uniforms and last year's team's mm-hmm. uniforms um and one thing that kind of always bothered me about those was they had it was kind of like a nike template where it had the back panel that had some Mizzou stuff, but if you looked at like Oklahoma, it had that same back panel with Oklahoma stuff. Duke had the same panel with just like, so I hope that we don't see like five other teams with uh, <laughs> colored piping around their yeah. home whites. But I think with like the columns on the shorts and the to the finish line acronym on there, that that's really cool. little things like that are awesome. Like I said, they knocked it out of the park with that. There was some other basketball news, um, schedule wise, looking way ahead to 2019. Um, they're slated to participate in the CBE classic. I think that's also known as the champions classic. It's in Kansas city at the sprint center. Um, Oklahoma, Stanford and Butler are also, uh, rumored to be in that. Um, that's the kind of early season tournament that will have two home games against like kind of cupcake schools. And then, uh, a semifinal round and a final round at the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Oklahoma, Butler, Stanford, that seems like good competition for that. Yeah, it's a fun little field and a couple of kind of regional uh, teams that are on the same. I would put them in the kind of the same tier as Mizzou. Obviously, Stanford's not a regional team, but uh, yeah, it'll be fun to play against Oklahoma and Butler. Those are both quality basketball programs for sure and, and Stanford as well. Yeah, I was, when I was looking at that, I noticed that Missouri State actually is in that this year, um, mm-hmm. along with Nebraska and a couple other schools. I, yeah, can't I think remember. it's Nebraska and, well, I can't remember the other ones. Uh, that's okay. But um, it seems like a pretty cool thing. I mean, being in Kansas City, that's a great, always a great opportunity for Mizzou fans to travel well and represent well. And especially if they get matched up in that semifinal round against Oklahoma, then watch out. That'll be yeah, and a pretty good environment of the Sprint Center as oh, well yeah. with Big Twelve Championship game, yeah. two thousand twelve, and everything. So exactly, yeah, be, that'll be a fun one. And then a little bit of recruiting news. Um, I, if you follow any recruits on social media, I'm sure you saw this. Uh, Cam Fletcher and Mario McKinney were in Columbia last week on an unofficial visit. Um, there were some cool pictures of them floating around trying on uniforms and they were definitely showing Mizzou some love and every tweet that showed the pictures was had dozens of replies from Mizzou fan accounts just kind of hyping up that situation. So it's always good to see those guys getting on campus. 
Yeah, I think in the football realm, Missouri's facilities are not the greatest, and I think it's I think they've improved a little bit in some of those recruiting events and stuff. Some of the the backgrounds of the pictures and stuff like that. I feel like maybe even just a couple of years ago, some of the football recruits looked like they were taking pictures in a supply closet or something, <laughs> but. I, the the more I see some of these basketball recruits, you know, in in Mizzou's basketball facilities, it, I'm just really impressed by aesthetically. It looks really nice, and I think our basketball program, uh, facility wise, can can go up against some some pretty good programs. I I think it looks really nice. Yeah, it seems like every recruit that goes in there comes away impressed, mm-hmm. and I know I would if I was re- especially a local recruit. Um, speaking of recruiting, there's an update on ESPN's recruiting rankings. Um, the 2019 recruiting rankings of note, Rocket Watts is now uh, number 26 in his class. EJ Liddell is 44, and Trey Jackson is 56. And then looking at 2020, Josh Christopher moved up to number 9 in his class. Moses Moody, 20. Caleb Love, 33. And Fletcher, 34. So really showing the kind of the caliber of players Conzo Martin is going after when you see it listed out like that it's really makes an impression yeah we wouldn't have dreamed of those kind of numbers being competitive recruits for us you know a few years ago but do you know what Rocket Watts was before this ranking did he go up he did move up okay. a hair he I know that he is the highest ranked four-star player according to most outlets but yeah this is I mean Basically, you'd be happy with any combination of these guys as long as it fills the needs of the team. So that's definitely exciting. And then last little bit of um, football preseason predictions. Um, There's still ESPN pundits talking about, you know, what they expect out of the the seasons for all the teams. And they predicted some bowl matchups and they've got. Missouri predicted to play in either the Gator Bowl versus Minnesota and the Music City Bowl versus uh, NC State. And producer Cameron and I decided basically if they play in Nashville, we're going to try to go. It'd be fun. Yeah. Um, cool city. I don't know. It's, it might break the listeners' hearts, but producer Cameron is a Nebraska fan. <laughs> and so... Um, Please don't kill us. We, uh, yeah, he, he, he's coming around. Um, but we talked about if Nebraska really has a good year and they play in the Music City Bowl against Missouri, that would be, then it's like can't miss. We're definitely mm-hmm. going. Yeah, small uh, <clears throat> small sidebar here, but uh, have you heard anything, Producer Cameron, about Nebraska's quarterback situation currently? They had a... Um, I think they're down to one scholarship quarterback right now, and he's a true freshman. It's actually a guy. I think his last name's Martinez. It's a guy that Mi- oh Mizzou, Taylor Martinez, of course. <laughs> it's a guy that Mizzou actually went after. Flashback. Taylor Martinez is back. <laughs> uh, I can't remember his first name, but uh, all that to say, Nebraska has one scholarship quarterback currently because I think they just had one guy like transfer whenever he didn't win the starting ba- uh, oh. job. So uh, never mind. They're not going to be in the music. The Scott Frost. Um, experiment is going to I'm sure be very successful at some point but I'm not sure how this year is going to go so yeah, um, that's perfectly fine with me though <laughs> the hype around this year is not going to I don't is there hype I know I, I was going to say that's going to be like it's is great as it's going to get is before the season starts yeah and it's going to be like this is this a lot of the same players from last year so yeah hopefully the next 
couple years it'll, as well. It'll we happen, start seeing... I don't see it this year. All right, before we lose all of our listeners, <laughs> um, yeah, Music City Bowl would be awesome. Uh, Gator Bowl, sure. I don't love the idea of playing Minnesota again twice in four years in a bowl mm-hmm. game. Um, I, it is nice to think about Matty Mock trucking a defender heading mm-hmm. into the end zone, but um, that would be kind of weird, but I don't know. That would be those type of bowls would be satisfactory, you know, mm-hmm. a good season, no disappointments whatsoever. But yeah, these these bowl predictions, like before the season starts, are just a complete shot in the dark from anyone making these predictions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to even know if I'd be happy with with this, considering I don't know how good those other teams are going to be. Right. But yeah, the bowl season's a good opportunity to get out and go see some cool new sites, and mm-hmm. um, hopefully. Mizzou will be uh, victors coming out of their bowl game yeah. this year. And uh, and a couple of ESPN writers and other outlets were talking about Missouri as kind of a dark horse in the SEC East and maybe their surprise pick. They, were, they weren't saying that they were their surprise pick to win the SEC East. They were saying maybe a surprise pick to finish second. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I've seen that a few times. And honestly, maybe I'm living in a bubble, in a, in a Mizzou bubble, but I just don't. If Mizzou is good this year, you know, if they can go eight and four, nine and three, or whatever, and you know, get second in the SEC East or something like that, I know there's going to be a lot of people surprised by that. But I just don't know why they would be right. because Drew Locke is probably one of the most well-known quarterbacks in college football. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know I Missouri's guess turnaround last year was kind was a pretty big story. Noteworthy, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I I think that's kind of a safe pick for all these yeah. ESPN people picking right. Mizzou, but I guess we'll, we'll take it. It's better than them saying we're going to be terrible. So. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, It wouldn't surprise any Mizzou fans for them to finish second in the East. It, mm-hmm. A surprise would be winning the East, mm-hmm. and probably a surprise, nobody would be surprised if they finished anywhere from second to fourth, probably. But, um, yeah, that's, I think, the, good, the greatest thing about Saturday, the first game being so close, is we don't have to listen to these predictions much mm-hmm. longer. Not not that that'll stop us from making some predictions before this episode is over. Mm-hmm. Um, last piece of big news was the um, week one depth chart that was released. And the story out of that, the primary story out of that is all the freshmen. Um, and for you listeners that have been listening for a few weeks now, Kyle pretty much knocked it out of the park, at least on the offensive side of the ball with some of these predictions of uh, freshmen that would probably get solid backup spots and some early playing time yeah it was um a couple a couple surprises still um i think i mentioned maybe tyler Beatty would would get um definitely some meaningful snaps this year so he's looks like he's pretty solidly in the third string behind uh, crockett and roundtree and then i also saw that he's going to be on i think first team kickoff return as right. well which uh, that would be pretty cool to see I mean, he's just really turning heads in camp. I, yeah. I, apparently, he's just got Marcus Murphy like a switch that yeah, nobody that's what else Locke has. Was saying. Yeah, it reminded him of Murphy wearing number six. Yeah, that would be just fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that was um, I guess not a huge surprise, but uh, I think maybe I was a little bit more surprised by Jalen Knox uh, grabbing that second string or spot with um, right. Alex uh, Ofadile. Um, I think everybody had kind of knew that Jalen Knox, you know, has got some potential down the road to be a really meaningful player. But I think this is a really good sign to see that he's uh, competing for that that backup spot. 
and then uh, Cam Sp- Cam Scott and uh, Kamari Thompson both breaking the two and three deep on uh, on the outside receiver spot behind Emmanuel Hall. So I I didn't see that coming. I I thought maybe one of those guys might break the the three deep, but um, that was that's really cool to see to see that. Yeah, and then we we knew Jacinto as a freshman. Um, he was on that early depth chart. So seeing him there is not very surprising, but, um, can you tell me about Barrett Bannister? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is a a local guy. Um, he, he's not going to blow you away athletically. He's kind of a small little white guy (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, I, but he's, he's, I, I, as, as far as I understand, crazy hard worker and he's super quick and I could be wrong about this, but he might be a walk-on actually. So that's pretty surprising to see, um, that he broke the three deep. I mean, there may not be a ton of slot receivers true behind him, but it's still pretty cool to see his name on the depth chart, um, this soon. So he may end up still red shirting anyway, but, uh, I'm sure he'll get some, some snaps in the first three or four games of the season. Yeah. Knox and, um, Cam Scott to me are the two that jump out at me as like, you know, recruits that were big gets at the time and everybody was excited about them good highlight tape out of high school mm-hmm. and it's it'll be really nice to see if they hopefully they contribute in in somewhat of a meaningful way because mm-hmm. um we need them yeah and we'll need them for years to come because mm-hmm. we just need to keep refilling um at the wide receiver spot because even if Derek Dooley does a different little different offense than Heupel did there's still going to be a lot of wide receivers used. Mm-hmm. And we're not really sure what we're going to get down the road with tight ends too, with Albert O potentially leaving for the draft after this season. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, you know, very possible. Wouldn't surprise anybody. And, and Blanton's obviously going to be gone. So there's a little bit of uncertainty with the tight end position being so strong this year. We're not really sure what that's going to look like going forward. So we need some of those wide receivers to be reliable. And um, also a, a note on Barrett Bannister. I said that he was a local guy. He's actually from Fayetteville. So uh, to me, I was kind of thinking he was he was local, but I guess not incredibly local. Fayetteville's not too far away. I, yeah. He went was he he went to school with um, Taylor, Taylor Powell. Powell. Yeah, okay. I think they were high school teammates. I'm gotcha. almost positive of that. But they were a pretty deadly combo in high school, as oh, I, I understand. Imagine. And then uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, one thing that jumped out to me is we talked about uh, Markel Etsy uh, uh, in the previous depth chart. So he made it in there at uh, basically the backup behind Walter Palmore or Jordan Elliott at nose tackle. So we were kind of wondering where he was, but he's there mm-hmm. as a junior. Yeah, I think you're going to see um, a lot of guys get minutes at uh, defensive tackle or get minutes like it's a basketball team, <laughs> get snaps. Uh, I think Palmore is going to be surprisingly good this year. Uh, he had flashes um, last year, but I think he really worked on his conditioning this year and has slimmed down quite a bit and has gotten quite a bit quicker. So uh, we have pretty incredible depth at, at defensive tackle. They're just going to be rotating guys in and out at that position. Um, I know we talked a little bit about Nate Anderson maybe getting a shot at that starting spot behind Trey Williams. Yeah. Um, it looks like Trey fought him off for that that starting spot, and I think that's good to see because that's I don't know Trey Williams is kind of the prize recruit that's super talented and is going to be kind of the the um, anchor of 
of that position going forward in the future. So it's good to see him kind of win that that uh, position battle. Yeah, he sort of seems like that next man up in the sort of like Michael Sam, Coney Ely, mm-hmm. Shane Ray. Yeah, he's super talented. Charles Harris sort of um, type of player that you could see make the, the jump to the NFL. So you, you hope, and he's still just a redshirt sophomore, so you hope that he you know, has an awesome season, has a awesome junior year. And then if he wants to go pro after that, that's fine. But um, getting two solid years of starting like high quality defensive end play out of him would be really big for this defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing too surprising with the linebackers. Except um, your guy, <laughs> my boy, Nick Bolton, that, that s- I single-handedly swung the seven on seven vote in your favor, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's good to see him break the three deep. I mean, we've heard a lot about him coming out of camp that he's just this incredible physical specimen for how young he is and how smart he is and how much he's how well he's picking up the the plays and the scheme and everything. So I believe we will see a lot of Nick Bolton this year and in seasons to come. So really, the only not even maybe surprise, but maybe the thing that stood out to me a little bit was at the free safety position. Uh, Khalil Oliver getting the start there so obviously he brings some experience um, and some some older guy wisdom sure yeah I hope he can just lock down that spot mm-hmm. I mean I hope that of both the safeties I hope Cam Hilton and Oliver just make that their spot there's no I don't want any controversy I want them to just be even if they're not making you know real fast flashy plays all the time if they can just be consistent mm-hmm. and just fundamentally sound mm-hmm. unfortunately I'd, i don't think that's cam hilton's uh, mo i think we'll we'll it, see some flash we'll yeah. see some uh some mistakes some risky plays yeah. from him but that's just who he is maybe I mean, they it, can balance each other out a right little bit. and i think that's maybe why he's struggled in the past is because he's that kind of player and mm-hmm. maybe the coaching staff has been trying to tell him to be a little bit less of a, like a risky going all out kind of player and so he's I feel like he's just been thinking too much back there so maybe after you know a couple of years of experience he's gonna he's gonna figure it out this year and, and know when to be risky and when to uh, settle down a little bit and just make sure he contains the the wide receiver yeah yeah maybe he and Oliver will kind of balance each other out of that in that way but um I'm going to take a second here just to tell the listeners that I'm very disappointed in them for the, the vote turnout on that seven on seven draft. Um, there could have been four votes for all I care, but for that many votes to go to Kyle, I don't know. I mean, Michael Wilson, he told me he's very disappointed in all of you. <laughs> and he, we just, him being my team captain, we got together and we just didn't understand. The vision was there. The read option, the trickery, it, it was there. I think it would be incredibly successful, but apparently... It was a nice thought, Cameron, but let's be honest. Everybody loves Terry Beckner Jr. Uh, that's true, I think, yeah. His name carries a little bit of weight. That's true. I may, I guess I should have just picked Drew Locke for the, for the <laughs> name value alone. I forget about the actual strategy, but whatever. I'll put that behind me. We'll, we'll come up with another way that, I can, that we can have a competition. Maybe I can win that time. Um, that's pretty much it uh, as far as the news. Um, I think we'll go ahead and do a little preview of the, the week one matchup. Actually, um, hold that thought. Daniel Parker Jr., there's a little bit of news there. Go ahead. Yeah, he, um, as I'm sure 
you guys have seen by now, Daniel Parker Jr., who came in as a as a D end, uh, has at least temporarily switched to tight end. I think he will most likely stay on the offensive side of the ball. He'll probably get some reps at tight end this year. Um, ultimately, I think he will move to the offensive line. Uh, I think that's kind of what everybody knew he had the most potential to do. You know, he's got some potential to be really good at offensive line and could even, you know, see some NFL looks down the road at at O-line. And I think everybody kind of knew that would happen eventually. So it's good to see that um, he's kind of having some versatility and adaptability to uh, to switch over to a new position and just kind of try something new. So um, I'm not sure that he will play much this year outside of the three or four games that the freshmen are allowed to play um, if they're going to keep the red shirt. But um, adds a little bit of, of depth at tight end that we might have lost from Messiah Swenson's injury. And the other kind of significant thing about that situation is that he switched numbers, and he switched to number 82, which is the number of Harry Ballard um, before he exited the team. So um doesn't look great for Harry Ballard at, Have the, we heard at anything this moment. Concrete no, on that we haven't situation. heard anything at all, and I'm not really sure what the situation is, but it doesn't look real great right now that he's going to return at any point. That'd be really disappointing. I mean, we'll hold out hope that that situation turns out positive but if it doesn't that'd just be like i don't know you never know what would cause that exactly but from um yeah i mean he just seemed like i mean some you almost at that point wish he hadn't committed to mizzou out of the juco because yeah exactly (laughs) but um yeah it's a bummer yeah anytime you see that just like wonder what exactly happened and yeah well best of luck to him i don't know what's going on but hopefully he's uh doing all right yeah exactly all right now after that false start we'll jump into a preview of week one matchup against university of tennessee martin skyhawks um they are from the ohio valley conference that's a fcs school um last year they had a 500 conference record um went four and four but uh the Really, we talked about this in our uh, schedule breakdown. The only real meaningful game that they played um, that Mizzou should be concerned with is they played Ole Miss at Ole Miss, and they lost that game 45-23. to 23. Um, I think we can look at that a little bit and see some parallels to how this game should probably go on, uh, on Saturday. Um, their offense is led by a senior running back Ladarius Galloway he was second team all conference last year he uh, actually had a really good game against Ole Miss ran for 188 yards on 24 carries Um, I think just at first glance Mizzou ought to be able to hold him to a much lower total than that maybe he gets a lot of yards in the second half or something if there's some backups in there but with Mizzou's strength on defense being stopping the run um, and that being really this offense's only asset because their quarterback play, even for Ohio Valley standards, was pretty mediocre last year. Um, I just can't see them being able to move the ball, move the ball very much at all against Missouri. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that maybe this game might start out a little bit slow, you know, just kind of the beginning of the year jitters and, I know Missouri starts out games, well, for example, against Idaho last year, 
Drew Locke, literally, I think the first play of the game, he throws an interception. And then Idaho marches down the field and scores a touchdown. That scared us and to we death. Were we were like, there. You were like, what is going on? Like, what is life right now? We thought, we looked at each other, and I know we were both thinking, this is it. This is this could be the end of Barry Odom's career <laughs> at Missouri. We were watching this. <laughs> this collapse but any but then they're just like oh no we're not worried and then they just turned around and destroyed idaho so um if if this game starts out a little concerning um barry odom and the rest of the fan base and the players should just relax and it'll be okay hopefully (laughs) i this team just does not have the firepower or the depth to uh, sustain an entire game of of competitiveness against the talent of missouri right so we will win and it will be fine, but yeah. hopefully we look good doing so. Yeah, and like I said, I think it's a good opportunity for the defense to shine. I mean, the secondary, they don't have the athletes to challenge the secondary. The secondary should be able to do what they want to do. Um, the offense, I hope that they use it as an opportunity. Something that I never liked about Heupel's offenses is they would just, against lesser opponents, they would just exploit weaknesses that were there that we're not going to be there against better opponents. Mm -hmm. So I hope that they show, I hope they try everything, not the entire playbook, but figure out practice things that are, that they're going to have to do against better defenses. Um, I don't see, I just don't see the sense in throwing it to just a a guy, you know, at the sideline that's just faster than everybody and watching him run for a touchdown every, every drive or, Mm just saying outrun the guy and we'll just throw it up to you um, because you're going to have that every single drive against a team like this. I want right. to see, you know, them work on their run blocking schemes, their route running and not just do the same two routes over and over again to just score a touchdown after touchdown. I definitely agree. And yeah, we would just demolish teams like in the past couple of years with Josh Heupel. And yeah, it's like they actually shortened one of the games. They like oh my ran, gosh! Yeah, they like had a that running was clock. Like the least competitive football game, you know, at the college level I have ever watched in my entire life. And it, it lasted like Delaware three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was might as well have been like a high school team we were playing because well, I think they were already terrible. Delaware State was like for their like FCS division, they were already terrible mm-hmm. within that, and then they're just playing an SEC team. It's like. We could have done anything we wanted in that game that they literally shortened the game because it was so uncompetitive. But, um, yeah, it's a good point about Josh Heupel just just destroying people. And in retrospect, it kind of would make sense that he was kind of interviewing for a job maybe um, in that way, you know, because people noticed that Missouri was beating people by 100,000 points. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, oh, maybe this guy is an offensive genius and he knows what he's doing here. And so he's landed a really, really nice head coaching job at UCF now. And it kind of looks like it makes sense looking back. It's like, okay, well, now we see why Missouri beat people by 55 points. When they could, yeah. Yeah. And Drew Locke is now... And I'm not saying that he's not deserving of this kind of praise, but, you know, he's now a Heisman watch and he's broken all these records and didn't bring us very many quality wins so right. because he would jack up the stats against these terrible teams. Right. So um, I agree. I'm, I'm more interested in in kind of working out the kinks and uh, maybe trying some things that we're not as comfortable doing um, rather than just throwing it deep to Emmanuel Hall every play. 
Yeah, so, I mean, we both don't see any way that Missouri loses this game, but and we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but if you could sum up, well, I want to play a little game called Best Case Scenario Alexander, Worst Case Scenario Alexander. And Best Case Scenario Alexander, they <laughs> only play the starters. Do you like the name? Yes, Scenario Alexander. They only play the starters the first half, Drew Locke, Throws a touchdown pass, gets out of there, no injuries. Um, Larry Roundtree and Demaria Crockett get 10 to 14 rushes apiece for 70 to 100 yards. And then the freshmen get a lot of time, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of snaps. And I wouldn't be worried about the defense, you know, if they give up garbage time yards. I mean, what we don't want to see is a repeat of last year where. The starting defense is in there, and they can't stop. They mm-hmm. can't stop this F- FCS offense, mm-hmm. and just have to rely on being better athletes. But you know, best case, we're looking at like a half of play of the starters and an easy, a relaxed, completely relaxed win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking to see uh, how some of these guys coming off injury are, are going to look too. I'm really going to be focused on Damari Crockett and like Nate Brown. I know he's mm-hmm. had like a pretty long time to recover, but he still hasn't played for a year. So I'm, I'm really interested, interested to see how some of those guys are and see if they can get their confidence back after missing some time. And um, yeah, worst case scenario, Alexander is, I don't even know if I could say a loss. I just don't, I no. just, I think if these teams played 50 times, Mizzou would win. 50 times it's like it's just that i hope that it's going to be that big of a talent uh differential but um definitely worst case scenario is what we watched last year with missouri state where the defense can't stop anything to save their lives and the offense has to play almost the whole game yes yeah yeah that would be if 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 that were to happen i think I, I just really don't think it's going to happen. I think that they, the players are even talking about how they learned their lesson from last year. They cringe and when they watch the they watch the Missouri State game. They cringe the whole time, but they watch it and they finish it because they want to learn from that and not they want don't want to take any team too lightly. Um, there was some quotes like I can't remember exactly who I, I want to say Jamal Brooks was talking about um, watching that game back and knowing they cannot treat. UT Martin like they treated Missouri State so if, mm. if they do that and the coaches kind of have the same mindset I think even worst case it, it won't be as bad as mm-hmm. the Missouri State game last year yeah it's definitely the value of having experienced players come back is because they've lived these horror stories that we're talking about and they don't want to repeat them so pretty much every interview I've seen with any of these experienced players coming back is uh yeah we we witnessed that happen last year and it's it's not going to happen this year we're taking everybody as seriously as the next team so i sure hope that they're right yeah the only thing though that might throw a wrench in that is if i come over to your house to watch the game (laughs) because um i want to say we're oh for seven we we the team does well if we watch them live in columbia whether it's football or basketball Mm -hmm. but I don't think we've ever watched on TV in the same house. I don't think we've ever been together and watched a game on TV that Missouri has won. Yeah, it's it's really alarming, actually. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think. 
I can think of about four or five of them off the top of my head where we've we've watched games on TV to, together that have ended horribly. And uh, one of them, I think the very first one I can think of was the 2016 football opener against West Virginia. Yeah, we watched that at my house. We, we lost. And um, also uh, the basketball game against West Virginia last year where we should have won and lost in heartbreaking fashion. Watched that at your house. it was so such a big game and yeah so they lose that and let's see another one that was just so incredibly frustrating that was the Ole Miss basketball game last year at yes. home where we had actually planned originally to go to that game we bought tickets for like seven dollars yeah to drive up to Columbia and then there was like a like a weird like winter storm that yeah, came in or it was something kind of icy and so at and the, we had to work the next day anyway right. so. so at the very last moment we decide not to go and so then we watch it on tv together and mizzou loses so dodging the worst the biggest bullet ever because if we would have gone up to that had like a three-hour drive up and back in the snow or the ice or whatever it is and they lose we would have been that would have been miserable very grumpy yeah so i'm glad we didn't go to that but still watch it on tv and yeah. watch a loss there uh, US, like uh, yeah. uh, versus South Carolina this past season. Mm-hmm. That was a huge football game that Debo Samuel completely exploited us yep. and ruined our evenings. Okay, I got <laughs> I got two more. Oh, okay. The showdown for relief the against Kansas. Okay, yeah. We watched it. You're right. Uh, you paid for a stream, at, and we watched <laughs> that at my house. And The stream was horrible, yeah. too. Like. I don't even remember ex- we were, the exact reason why. We were, well, it was just like the, just lagging the whole time. And yeah, stuff. I mean, I think I think Terrible everybody quality. had the same yeah. experience that yeah. did it. I mean, it was for charity, but and then uh, there was a Georgia football game. I think we were distracted because there was a bunch oh, of people over at my house. Yes, but oh man, that one was horrible too because that was a massive game that Mizzou should have won and then lost on the very last play. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, McKenzie. Is I think his yes. last name was the guy mm-hmm. that the, Isaiah McKenzie. Yep. Is that his name? That's Got it. the touchdown pass. So thanks a lot. That's for that. that's six games, and I I can't think of any yeah, other. I'm sure, that there's we... more, but that is really ridiculous. So uh, yeah, having some people over at my house this weekend. Still haven't decided if I'm going to let Cameron in the front door because <laughs> I don't want to see my Missouri Tigers lose to uh, Tennessee Martin. So oh, it might. It would be a good way to break the but street. But I did, I did move. I did move to a new house in this off season. So maybe we can start a new streak with a new house. Yeah. And leave all those sad uh, memories behind. It still makes me a little nervous. <laughs> well, regardless of worst case or best case, they're actually going to play on Saturday. So that's that's the most important part. We can finally actually see them play a game. That's good news. I'm, I'm honestly sick and tired of uh, all these predictions and just... Uh, scheming in my head of what's going to happen and all of these, like who's going to play and all the stuff. We actually get to experience it in two days and watch it actually unfold. I've watched YouTube highlights, I mean, (laughs) of every game probably five or six times now. I've been watching all these highlights for the past, whatever, this whole offseason. Just like I'm ready for some new footage. New highlights, (laughs) yeah, new highlight tape to watch. But um, we're going to just... Call it good for this week. I know it was a short episode, but like we said, there's not a whole lot to talk about with UT Martin. Um, so that's all for this week. We'll be right back next week. We'll recap this first game and uh, preview week two against Wyoming. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and SoundCloud. And you can tweet us at Mizzou Sports One, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com.
And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore hour 08. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next week.